Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Talking about what's going on with the police and the RCMP, more trouble in New Brunswick, of course, because there is going to be an investigation now, Friday night. Um, Quebec's police watchdog is going to step in because, as we learned from our last guest, Ian, that there isn't one in New Brunswick, an oversight committee. Um, that Rodney Levi, he was uh, he was a victim of a shooting by the police last week. Chantel Moore, another victim of shooting, both Indigenous folks, and clearly uh, something that is needs to be looked at there. Now, is this a problem everywhere? Well, I mean, police brutality has certainly been a conversation that's been all over the news in the last few weeks. It's been about three weeks or so, but it's not something new for everybody. But part of the conversation for me is not only that. I think we have to look at what is going on because we have to understand what is police, right? People, so many people say, let's defund the police. Let's do this. Let's put in sort of negotiator psychology people to be able to go in and have conversations. Do you have a police officer and more of a psychology directed officer experience type person that goes in? I don't know. I don't have the solutions to this. All I know is that we often talk about these things, but we often don't even know what is the police. So we talk about it as citizens saying that we all have solutions, but we don't understand what the police are. We also don't understand why it is that police officers get fired, why it is police officers don't get fired. We don't even understand how police unions work inside all of this, representing police officers no differently than your union or your family member's union might represent you at your job. We still forget that it's still just employment. Mike Elliott, president Edmonton Police Association, on the board for the Canadian Police Association, joins us now. Hi, Mike. Or good afternoon, I should say, Shane. Uh, yeah, it is a good afternoon for almost everybody. Uh, some of the network's still the morning on the West Coast. Thanks for spending some time with us on your Sunday. I appreciate that one. When when you get into all this, Mike, do you find that we often just are talking about things that we don't understand? Because I'm hoping we can share some insight into things we don't understand in our chat today. Well, yeah, yes, Shane. Um, what I should point out, do would you your listeners like an explanation on what associations uh, do or do you want to look at the oversight and the uh, accountability aspect of policing? Which aspect would you like me to uh, touch on here? Well, we have time to probably do both, and I think it's great that you bring it up and maybe we separate exactly what they are. Before we get into one, I'll let you choose which one we go to first, but I think that I would like to say that it's worth taking a moment to acknowledge all of the hard work that so many people do because so many times through the day we don't talk about the simple things that police get right. And I think that is incredibly important. Now, it also is important to th talk about the things that go wrong. When a police officer gets promoted to a new position because of good behavior and uh, good service and all of the things they've done right, those things happen all the time. We don't get to talk about those things. And I, I see in this that we probably should. But things do go wrong. And when they go wrong, um, let's talk about the... We just did some, some conversation in general about specific police investigations. So let's talk about the associations. Let's talk about how associations work around the police. Okay, so an association, uh, some people think association is similar to a union. We are in that fact that we um, we do bargain for our contract negotiations. We bargain for um, health and benefits. We bargain for pay. Some differentiate, I want to differentiate a couple of things like between certain unions in the USA compared to Canada. For example, I know that um, in the USA, certain unions can provide funding to uh, governments, they provide funding to governors, they provide funding to um, representative, uh, elected representative officials. 
In Canada, we do not do that. Uh, we make sure that we're arms that way. We do not, uh, I can tell you for Edmonton, for example, we will not donate to a political party. We will not donate to an elected official because that's seen as biased and we stay clear out of that as an arm's length away from that. Now, what we do do is have a duty of fair representation for our members. And so some people may ask, well, what is a duty of fair representation? And a duty of fair representation is you have to look at each case, uh, each file on a case-by-case basis. If something is related to your duties, or we say an execution of your duties, we have an obligation to look at that and see what we can do to support that member. And I'll give a prime example. If I'm driving in my police car, uh, downtown Vancouver, downtown Toronto, I put on my brakes, get out, walk up to an individual with no provocation, I didn't, I just punch that person. I'm in, the, I'm working, but without any justified reason to punch that person, that is not in the execution of my duties. Now, on the flip side, if I'm out mowing my lawn and I see somebody getting mugged across the street and I run across the street and I grab that suspect and pin them down and hold them, and if I've got to hit them to affect the arrest, I'm in the execution of my duties. So there, there's a difference between being, it's got to be um, work-related. Hmm. And so that's something we have to look at. Now, if I may, I want to talk about uh, oversight and the steps that would take uh, for that. So from, from my perspective, um, Shane, I want to say that there's no other agency or organizations, even uh, levels of uh, um, government officials that are elected, from my perspective, are held to the same standard that police are held. Now, when we get hired, we take an oath. We also have to follow, uh, we, we've got our own policies and procedures that we have to follow. We have the police act, the regulations, our collective agreement, labor code, criminal code, human rights tribunal, and police commission. These are um, a number of avenues that we have to ensure that we follow. So if a member were to um, have an incident, they're held accountable by all those things. So if you have a, a breach of policy, they're held accountable by the police act. Um, and if, you, if it meets the threshold to send to a hearing, then that's an uh, independent body, um, which in, in Alberta, the hearing officer, which is equivalent as a judge, would be appointed by the chief and there'd be a prosecutor to prosecute the member. For the association, we will provide representation to that member if there's reason to believe that he was in exe- he or she was in execution of her duties. Now, if they're uh, found not guilty, for example, um, they have the ability to appeal that. So in, in Alberta, it's the Law Enforcement Review Board. So now there's another uh, higher step agency that's overlooking the case. That board will then look at that decision and go, yes, it was justified, or no, send it back to a hearing or send it back for uh, more investigation. And if somebody isn't happy with that, then they can appeal that then to the court, uh, uh, court of appeal to find out if it was justified or not. And, of course, if that isn't the case, it goes all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada. So there are many facets and many levels of oversight and accountability for a police officer. And I'll just pause right there because you or your listeners may have a question about that. That seems like, see, I feel really reassured by that, but at the same time, I feel not very reassured by that for a few reasons. Number one being, it seems like there's a lot of um, different filters that can hopefully catch the things, but it also seems like an awful lot of filters, call it cliche, red tape, different things that would go to that would cause an incredibly slow process to get some action and, and stuff like that. I mean, we have a situation where we have two occurrences uh, in one province in one week. Now, maybe that's just coincidence. But the reality is, if the notion might be that it's going to be a few years till this gets solved, that seems like a long time. 
Shane, no argument for me there. Uh, we've been um, trying to expedite the process. Uh, we've had members up to 10 years to try to get either be cleared or on the flip side, be held accountable for their actions. Um, and that's no different. So, for, for example, we had a shooting in Calgary today. We have an independent body called ACERT. Um, other agencies have them, like SIU and Ontario, BC as their own. Uh, best of my knowledge, it's only Saskatchewan and the Brunswick that, that do not have an independent agency to conduct uh, independent investigations. And I think that's being worked on right now. But we we support and applaud that there is an uh, agency such as ACERT um, to conduct independent investigations. The problem that we have is that if ACER takes investigation, we, I have full confidence in the investigators. Uh, we know that, like Sue Yusin, who's the head of ACER here, she's a, a Crown prosecutor, been in the business for 20 plus years. Um, she's well respected throughout the province in Canada. She does an excellent job in regards to the transparency and accountability and oversight for the investigation. An issue that comes up is some of the decisions that come out of them can take 24, 36 months to get uh, an opinion from ACER, whether it's going to be criminal charges or there's no criminal charges. So the member and the public will have to wait potentially two and a half years for their uh, for their opinion. And once that is concluded, then the professional standards, or some people refer to them as internal affairs, kicks in for their investigation. Yeah. So that's why it takes so long for um, the public and the members to have their have their day to find out what's being if they're being held accountable or they're cleared, yeah. so that's not fair to the public nor the members to wait four, five, six, and worst case scenario ten years for yeah or the or the victims right like I mean I'm all for thorough but I mean this seems counterproductive to you know getting things done and moving forward especially when if it, it becomes a systemic issue of something that happens. You know, even if it's something as simple as a training failure, right? Like there's maybe there's one piece of the training puzzle that that gets changed, adopted all the time. And maybe there's one piece of the puzzle that needs to be adjusted. That seems a long time to have problems continue. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.